You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello folks, my name is Brandon Kajoka, and this is actually the first podcast for Basketball Matters Toronto. And joining me today, as always, will be Mr. Gregory Euroshadis. Um, so I think, Greg, do you want to give a little uh, explanation as to why we started this podcast in the first place? Brandon, I'd like to be referred to as a sports doctor. <laughs> the PhD of sports knowledge. Thank you. Uh, well, as far as rationales go... <clears throat> I think uh, the history of this podcast goes back several years. You know, if you're a diehard Toronto sports fan, I'm sure you can appreciate the ignorance of the American media, especially when we're talking about the Toronto Raptors, a team very near and dear to me. Uh, You know, I mean, the majority of podcasts uh, in a pretty, you know, to be honest, saturated market, Americanized, about celebrity, sport gossip, and pretty fixated on professional sports. And, you know, I just I just can't take any more sports nation, Brandon. I got to speak out. Where is this voice coming from, Greg? What is frustrating you? What is the original reasoning as to why you got to this point right now? Your frustration not only stems from basketball, but beyond the actual game. Well, because sport matters, right? Uh, it matters because there is such a important development effect that goes on when you're talking about sport you know it brings people together it breaks down barriers Uh, it can help grow community it can help young people make better choices Uh, but you know a lot of this gets forgotten about right when it's about ratings right Uh, and I also think that here in Toronto there's a lot of people doing really great things and I just really became frustrated with turning on the TV seeing the average TSN broadcast, it's just, the, you know, your average scores, and nothing about local people here in Toronto doing uh, really amazing things through the game. No, you're absolutely right. You look at, you know, a kid like Ahmed Ali in the OSBA for BTB Prep last year, dropping 103 points. So, you know, a few news agencies throughout Toronto, you know, covered that. But the fact of the matter is that you have a kid from Toronto dropping 103 Toronto points. Oh, boy. Like, you know, like, that was recognized in American media. You know, like, people in the States were kind of pining to get, you know, Ahmed Ali on their team. He ends up playing for Lisa in Florida Collegiate. But, you know, just the lack of reporting in the city for a guy mm-hmm. like Ahmed mm-hmm. Ali, a born and raised kid from Toronto, dropping 103 points in one game, paying no heed to the amateur level whatsoever. I did not read a single article in the mainstream publication about Thon Maker last year, which is kind of crazy in my opinion. That guy is one of the best prospects in the NBA right now. Well, I mean, there's a few reasons for that, right? I mean, the first is, you know, and I kept, I'm going to talk about this a lot, our, our whole system, especially regarding basketball, right, uh, it's it's completely saturated by the United States. Kids want to go, you know, we don't even have kids finishing high school here. They jump into Christian Prep Academy 101 yep. in Alabama uh, where they get a half a high school education and I'm sure great basketball training. Uh, and then they play on AAU teams uh, sponsored by Nike and Adidas. Uh, 
but we don't really have a development system here uh, for homegrown talent. And I mean, you know, I'm more, you know, I'm more than a basketball guy. I'm a soccer guy as well. And the same thing is is is, is going on in soccer, right? We have a lot of great talent, but if you don't go overseas, there's no community, there's no community holistic growth element to what we're doing here. You know, on the the university level in Canada, the game is purely about the game of basketball. You look at the head coach of Carleton Smart. You know, they released an article today in the New York Times about. You know, no one knows about Carleton. You know, the guy makes what they said, one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year, and he's one of the highest, if not the highest, paid coach. And I'm they surprised make, John, he makes that much. John Calipari on Kentucky makes upwards of five, seven million dollars a year. You know what I mean? Are they like, are they actually making conceited effort to grow these kids beyond the game, or is it purely just an effort to get the one year in, one year out, have a great program of excellence, continued over time? Well, you know, Brandon, and I, and I mean, maybe we can then start talking about. The whole March Madness theme that we wanted to get to today, uh, you know, the, you mentioned Kentucky versus Carlton, right? The core difference there is that the Kentucky program isn't just a basketball program to develop young student athletes. Okay, the Kentucky program is about developing professional athletes. It is a business before anything else. Uh, you know, you're talking about tens of millions of dollars that are funneled through that basketball program. Uh, you know, I, I've never watched a Kentucky game that isn't packed, right? Packed to the brim with supporters, right? There's a lot of money to be made there. I don't even think Carlton sells out their home games. And I mean, what? They're what? 13 of the last 15 national championships, no, something I, like that. I like, went to Carlton personally. And, you know, did you I go to a game? I went to a couple games, absolutely. Well, you're rare. <laughs> One of the, we beat Wisconsin the year when they went to the Final Four. Carlton beat Wichita State by like 13 points, okay? Can We're talking about not a great Canadian basketball team. We're talking about a great team in general. Carlton could make March Madness. They could potentially win March Madness. Would you, I'm going to say you that. See, it out there. Could you see a day where... We have a Canadian team, because, I mean, I know we have the Elite Eight, but a day where we have a slot in the NCAA tournament for the top-ranked Canadian team. Would that be too much to ask? One team. Give us one team in Canada. Give us a tournament, the winner of the, of sure. the, the Canadian tournament, Carlton, just be Ryerson, throw them in the tournament. Hold it a, like maybe a month prior to March Madness. Yeah. And then throw Carlton to the Wolves. And not, trust me, they're not being thrown to the Wolves because I think Carlton can compete with the upper echelon of the NCAA right now. I don't give a the flying upper echelon? about the huh? The upper echelon? The upper echelon with the NCAA. Absolutely. The guys in the top 10 in the draft, you know what I mean? Like I I'm, would make you a $1,000 bet, and I don't even have $1,000 right out <laughs> of my name, okay, that Carlton would lose by more than 20 points to any major. U.S. program. Oh, I completely disagree, 100%. I saw it in person. I saw Carlton beat some of the best collegiate teams out there. Keep in mind, obviously, they were benching some of their better talent, but trust me, Carlton's coaching, they may not have the best players, they may not have the most well-rounded players, but as a team, as a foundation of an organization of guys who know their roles, I have a lot of faith in Carlton.
well, you know, that's a that's good to see. I like that. I like that nationalism. It's maybe alumni biasism right here. Alumni well, biasism. But, yeah. but <laughs> I, I, I have to throw some love there. So, you know, we're not only going to talk about the communal impact of sport. We're also going to talk about the professional game. And through the professional game, obviously, we are humongous Toronto Raptors fans. Um, obviously, Huge! Listen, we're, 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 we're going to pull this card. One of the most underreported, underrespected organizations. Disrespected. We're not playing the cliche, like, we live in Canada and we're under, like, that obviously is a factor but there's also other factors involved as to why the Raptors are not being reported as much maybe can't clinch the number one spot in the Eastern Conference maybe not recognizable star power even though DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry are fantastic players what is the root cause as to why people don't really pay much attention to the Toronto Raptors is it the fact that we're in Canada or is it something bigger beyond from that oh honestly I think it's because we're in Canada all right man uh you know, maybe if we had a recognizable superstar again, like Vince Carter, right? Our teams now are better than the Vince Carter teams. But I remember. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Do you remember watching Keon Clark? Okay, that man was a fan. No disrespect <laughs> to Clark. No okay? disrespect to Keon. But Clark. I think these are the best Raptors teams Toronto has ever produced. Absolutely, one hundred percent. The post Barniani era. Yeah, man. But, but. I haven't seen one nationally televised game in the last three years, and we've been a consistent Eastern Conference powerhouse. What are we? Three-time reigning Atlantic Division champions, and the New York Knicks are getting prime time. <laughs> the Chicago Bulls are getting prime time. It's an absolute disgrace that New York Knicks should be on TV in general. That it's team is disrespectful just, oh to the entire basketball establishment and MLSC and the whole Toronto fan base that I have to watch, the dysfunctional Knicks, okay, playing against which other team in the league has a superstar, Jimmy Butler and the Bulls, okay? They haven't been an elite team in three years now, right? The, the Rose and Noah era is over. Tibbs is gone. But somehow, Chicago finds itself on the national televised schedule because it's a major American market, while teams that are actually doing really well, like Toronto are not showcased. So the little bit of a shakeup in the Eastern Conference this year. So this might sound like a crazy thing to say, but I love the fact that the Toronto Raptors at one point were like the little brother to the Cleveland Cavaliers within the sense that, you know what, we were the best team beyond like the super teams. The Cleveland Cavaliers, yeah. the Golden State Warriors, Antonio Spurs. Like I thought the Toronto Raptors were on par with an organization like the Los Angeles Clippers. This sure. season, you can clearly see, you know, the momentum swing in the other direction of teams like Boston, of teams like Washington, kind of pulling beyond the Raptors right now. What is the primary reasoning there? Because Washington, you can see, you know, Bradley Beal obviously turn a quarter, actually fulfilled his potential. Yeah. You know, yeah. Boston, incredibly well-coached organization, yeah. um, you know, a litany of options off the bench, an incredibly deep team. What has been the biggest reason with the beyond the Kyle Lowry injury that the Raptors are kind of in this sort of crossroads as an organization? Well, I'm look, not really securing that second spot. Well, look, I mean, even when we were in second place, all of I mean, last season we were in first place for a good quarter of the season, right? Uh, and we were solidly in second place for the rest of the way. Right. We were never, never referred to by the U.S. sport. Uh, Brain Sorry. trust, yeah, the czars <laughs> of, 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 of the NBA, the Charles Barkleys, the Skip Bayless. There should Bayless. be a sports czar, just throwing it out there. Just appoint one person as the official I am czar. the sports czar, we'll Brandon. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, we were never put in that conversation, 
right? Uh, and this year, when, you know, it's really just been the same old, same old year in Toronto, we've been winning games, right? In the Dwayne Casey era, we win basketball games, right? Uh, to a point where if we were Boston, right, if we were Boston, we would have got this notoriety already, right? okay? Boston is our little brother. Forget their record. Forget about the Boston Celtics record. When the Raptors play Boston, okay, head-to-head, we kick their ass. What about Chicago Bulls and Toronto Raptors? That's an anomaly. Okay, well. that's an anomaly. Okay. Right? I think as a fr- I think as a team, we still haven't. I think it's changing, but we still haven't uh, mentally uh, uh, gotten over the hump of being the contender. And I think that Chicago held that mantle for a long time. And when Toronto goes in to play Chicago, in Chicago, under the bright lights, right? Jordan played there, right? It's a very intimidating place to play. Uh, we just seem to shit the bed there, right? Um, I also think Jimmy Butler relishes playing against DeMar DeRozan. Uh, he's a great player. Yeah, the, but, the Chicago Bulls led by point guard Cameron Payne. Sorry, continue. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if we could just return to – so, you know, we talk about the pendulum swinging. Uh, I don't – like, even this year, you know, now the excuse is, oh, the Toronto Raptors would be the, the best contender to go at the Cavs, but Lowry's injured. Right. And and before it was just that, oh, they're not proven. And then when you win in the playoffs. Right. When you win in the playoffs and this year started out still no respect. Right. They're so quick to get on the John Wall, Bradley Beal, Isaiah Thomas bandwagon. Right. The American because they're in big American markets and there's just no respect for the Toronto Raptors. Based on our kind of past playoff experience or performance, rather. Do we deserve that respect? You're talking about the sweep to Washington. I'm talking about losing Brooklyn the first round as well. Well, look, I mean, against, I don't think anybody, I mean, Brooklyn was a veteran team. I was at game seven. It was close. It was really close. That series came down to a, to a couple that points. That team was held together by a Band-Aid and a half cadaver of Kevin Garnett. Like, I honestly, we we should have not have lost that series. Joe Johnson won that series. Yeah, uh, that's true. Right? Uh... And look, at the time, yeah, that was the Raptors. For I mean, I think the bigger the, the bigger uh, loss was uh, against Washington, right? Yeah, yeah. When when we got swept by the Wizards. That being said, I think as a franchise, they learned a lot from that. Uh, I think Kyle Lowry as a as a player took a lot of responsibility so for that. I think that's Kyle why he lost right all now. that weight. So so you know, everyone's my boy kind of, Lowry. Like Raptors fans are holding out hope that you know. When we get the playoffs, no matter where we're seated, we'll get Kyle Lowry back as our point guard, and then that's when we'll take mm. off with the recent additions of guys like P.J. Tucker and Serge Ibaka. Ibaka. Strong defensive presence on both sides. Obviously, on the defensive side, Ibaka can kind of score, stretch the oh, floor. Oh, he can score. Do you think Kyle Lowry will be in game shape? And I'm not talking about having the physicality of the playing, fitness, but will fit, he yeah. be able to maintain his rhythm as a shooter? Will he be the same Kyle Lowry that we saw, or will it take a couple games for him in the playoffs to kind of get back to playing form? I think it depends on a couple of different factors. I think it depends on, uh, well, well, first of all, when, right? Like, you're talking the first round? Oh, do you do you personally know? Because I have no idea. I've been uh, hearing know, that he. I the thing Masai is, Masai Jiri, the okay, who is a man that I do not question any longer. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, the great Masai Jiri, uh, you know, he came out I think and said that um, it was, what's the word that they use? Uh, and out indefinitely, right? Right. Um, 
I think the Raptors are being strategic with that. I, I think if they really thought that Lowry was going to be lost for the season, they would have tried to get him to just play through his bone spurts. Right. Um, now, will he be the same Kyle Lowry? Okay, you asked about the rhythm. I think, it, like, is it a shooting hand that matters? I think fitness-wise, he'll be fine. He's riding the bike. He'll right. be running. You know, I mean, you take a little bit of time off. It might even be a good thing, right, for him to take some time off, right, uh, for his body. No, the guy's logging, you know. Heavy minutes. Um, look, I think if he can come back with a little bit of time left in the regular season, he'll be fine. Because in the first round, we shouldn't need him uh, to be that player. We, the problem is if we draw – sorry to interrupt, man. No. The, the problem is, is if we draw Cleveland in the second round. Right, that is that becomes an issue because maybe he won't have the rhythm that he needs. Because in that series, we need him to be well, an all star. You know, Kyrie Irving, one of the best point guards in the game, and you have Darren Williams, one of the best pick and roll players in the NBA as well, coming off the bench, regardless of his age. He's still, you know, a fundamentally sound player. I, you know what? Like, it's going to be crazy for me to say this, but the emergence of guys like DeLon Wright, for example, the way he's been like playing the last couple like weeks, you know what I mean? Like, it kind of makes me feel like we have enough sort of a safety blanket security net to ensure that if Kyle isn't at complete peak form, we have guys come to the bench as well as Corey Joseph that can kind of fill that sort of, you know, floor general role. Defensively, I think you're right. I think with the trades that they made, by getting rid of Terrence Ross, you know, love him or hate him, he's 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 a quite uh, controversial figure here well, in Toronto. He's a heat check guy for sure. He's either going to score six points or he's going to score 20 points. Yeah, like I put him in that category as like a like a Dion Waiters, like a, you know, one of those guys. Lou Williams. JR, yeah. Lou Williams. Uh, yeah, Jamal I think Crawford. that's the best he can hope for as so a player. So another question I want to ask you. So we made a pretty couple splashy moves during the trade deadline. Um, obviously getting a guy like Serge Ibaka. You know, like I was mentioning before, not only is he an incredible rim defender. We stole Serge Ibaka. We, we stole Serge Ibaka. From the Orlando Magic. <laughs> for Terrence Ross and a late first round pick. So Serge Ibaka can play multiple roles. He can play the four, them. he can play the five. And, you know, he basically kind of has a skill set of modern basketball, i.e. stretching the floor. Do you feel like his skill set is sort of like it makes Valanchunas kind of a unnecessary piece obsolete? toward this organization? Uh, huh. Well, he's an obsolete skill set to a certain degree. There's still value in guys like that. Yeah, but yeah, you, yeah. What do you think we should do with Jonas Valanchunas moving forward? Um, well, look. Every player has a value, and they're all tradable. These, these guys are commodities, okay? Like, when their stock is high, if you can trade them. Like, some of these guys at the trade deadline, they think that they're untradable. Nobody but maybe LeBron James is untradable, right? right. Like, um, So, look, if an offer comes to the Raptors, be, because you're right, uh, he is expendable to some degree. Uh, he doesn't close games for us. He has he struggles with the, pick, with the high pick and roll. That, that being said... Uh, Valanciunas is, is a unique talent. Uh, I don't think he, he gets enough credit for that. I think he's better defensively than people give him credit for. I think a lot of of, of guard uh, breakdowns on defense that that end up with penetration that he has to come and cover for, right? He gets blamed for. Right. But really, the problem was that the guards let someone penetrate. I think that happens more than people would like to admit. Um, but his defense has gotten much better. Uh, offensively, the guy is... A good player. Show me, you know, there's a handful of centers, but ha fuck it, a handful of people in the world that can do what he can do. 
for his size, right? I mean, the last game, you saw him just abusing the Dallas Mavericks in the post, yep. right? When he's on, I mean, we saw it last year in the playoffs, and I think he's going to show his worth in the playoffs. I actually think you're going to see Dwayne Casey stick with him a lot more in the playoffs. The game slows down, becomes a half-court game. you know. And, and look, when we tried to play with Biombo as the center against Cleveland, that rim protection didn't look so good against the LeBron James freight train. You need to, you need to put a body on front of the net that will deter people just by their physical presence. Okay, And Ibaka, I love Ibaka, but I'm still convinced that the best, at least at least offensive lineup we have, has Valanciunas in it. See, what I'm thinking, though, is purely based on salary cap restraints. you got to think that Ibaka is a free agent next year. Ideally, we would want to re-sign a guy like Ibaka. Who would you rather have, personally, at center? $60 million a year for Jonas Valanciunas or getting a vodka for maybe $20 million. But you know but what? He... I would rather part ways with a Patrick Patterson. Pat, see, Pat, but that's... A T-Pat or, a, or Damari Carroll. Damari Carroll is the one that, you know, I love Damari Carroll. I think he has... I like the idea of... I like the idea of Damari Carroll. But at $50 million a year, please, like... <laughs> I mean, what's he averaging this year? Like, who cares? These are stats... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> these are stats that we need to get in front of us. Um, well, it's, what, I, what I mean by I don't care is like I don't like I do care about his stats and what he's contributing to the organization. I just don't think he's you know a what player he's we envisioned yeah. when we got him. We thought of him as a guy that can guard LeBron James, and clearly he is not that type of defender. Hence, why we got a guy like PJ Tucker, who I absolutely love. That is one of my favorite trade deadline moves the Raptors have ever made. Getting a big, fuzz, physical brute. Like, mm-hmm. P.J. Tucker, who can guard multiple positions, is one of the most undervalued pickups this season. Can I can I just give a little shout-out to P.J. Tucker? <laughs> I saw this guy 10 years ago. Okay, when I was second round by the Raptors. What, hey, I was my first year of university at U of T. Okay? I was driving along Bloor in my dad's old Sunbird. Okay? 94, 93, long nose red. Rusted sunburn. I've never met your dad before, but I think of like like a wife beater, like a lot of chest hair, some sort of gold chain, and just like flowing locks on like a convertible car. My dad is a great man. He sounds like a fantastic human being. <laughs> and we, he was with me actually, and uh, I, I turned. He was, he was driving, of course. Uh, I turned to my right, and there's PJ Tucker driving. Uh, it was um, Dodge Caravan. No, no, it, 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 it was a... His first year rookie contract. It was a Range Rover. He was driving a black Range Rover. Ooh. And, yeah, so he was. He, he must have been 20 years old. He must be, yeah, He's probably just a little bit older than we are. And I, I looked at him, and he looked at me, and he saw that I noticed him, and me and my dad waved to him, and we gave him a thumbs up, and he was shocked as hell to know that anybody had knew who he was because as of that point, I don't think he had played a moment. He was, was on the bench. The- well, it's a misconception that, you know, you go to Canada, you're either drafted or you're a free agent, and you probably think that no one really unless gives a you play hockey. Basketball unless you, you, play you play hockey, hockey right? Yeah. So it's probably an incredible experience for him yep. to see that someone in the city of fan recognized who he was, even as a second-round draft pick as well. It took another 10 years for him to register on my radar because I don't, I forgot that he was even a player. I forgot that he had even played basketball. I remember that moment because, oh, I saw a Raptor. I didn't know who he was. I totally forgot. You know, 
all of a sudden, I'm watching a game a couple years ago, and he's playing. I'm like, I, I recognize that guy. He used to play for the Raptors. Go online. I'm looking. This guy played in f- everywhere around the world. This guy's played in, eh? Like, Ukraine, Israel. Like, pick a country. He's played there. He's also okay? a kind of guy that wouldn't be able to exist in basketball five, ten years ago. You don't think? I think in a league where there's such a high emphasis on space and the floor, and having a guy like P.J. Tucker, who I mentioned before, who's mobile, position, yeah, yeah, but yeah, he's mobile. He can play the four as well. He That's has an outside shot, maybe not a consistent outside shot, but he can still shoot the three. the corner three. You know what I mean? Like P.J. Tucker was kind of a redundant skill set, I guess, back in the day. But now, like I think he people find value in him, guys like him. You know, guys who are not necessarily three and D guys, but who can guard multiple positions. Most importantly, he's, play multiple yeah, positions. Yeah, he he he's definitely. A D guy, he still has to work on that three. But, you know, just... He's in his 30s almost. He's not going to be a three-point shooter. Just to finish (laughs) my thought, though, you know, I say I wanted to shout out to him just because to see him now return to the Raptors. And I I remember he was interviewed after the first game. The guy hadn't slept all night. He played, like, uh, after traveling here. He played right away. Uh, And they asked him, they said, you know, how did it feel to be out there? And he made huge plays his first game against Boston. He dummied Boston that game, right? Oh, but you know what? It was his energy, right? And oh, he bullied Isaiah Thomas. (laughs) Just bullied him, man. And uh, the interview with him, he goes, you know, people forget. Because somebody asked, you know, how did it feel to be out there? And he's like, you know what? It felt great. People forget. And he said this. He's like, I got cut from here. So to come back here and to be able to contribute to a big win on a team, because when he was here, the team was garbage. You know, I think that was like one of our 20-win seasons or something. To see him now come full circle, right, to put in that work and to come back, it's just that's his circle, man. That's the way it was meant to be I for love him. Players like that. Who yeah, that he's got a story. A yeah, he had a like, chip on his shoulder. Like he's on Green being drafted in the second yeah. round, be able to recite literally every yeah. single player that got picked before. So right? you you know. PJ, wherever you are, glad to have you here, man. You're already one of my top, I'd say top 10 Raptors of all time. We love you so much that we want you to take a discounted contract next year and stay at the Raptors. There we go. That's uh, right. <laughs> transitioning over to the Western Conference now. So we have a pretty tight race for the eighth and final seed in the Western Conference. Maybe not the most ideal spot because it'll be matched up with the Golden State Warriors or the San Antonio Spurs in the first round. But it's really, really kind of coming down to the wire right now. And one team I kind of want to talk about right now is the emergence of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Six and four in their last ten. Maybe not the best record, but are really sort of picking it up lately. Especially the play of Ricky Rubio, who was about to be traded for the half Mm -hmm, shell of mm -hmm. Derrick Rose a couple weeks ago. How do you feel about the organization? Thibodeau, great coach, great leader, a bunch well, of young He's prospects. more than the coach, right? Yeah. He's the team president, actually. Yeah. And you got Zach Levine out as well, but also other guys picking up the, the, the slack. You know, a guy like Brandon Rush, who's emerging as a very steady defender, who I even forgot was in the NBA, to be honest with you. Well, who are the teams that are in, in competition for that last spot? There's the Mavericks. So right now it's the Nuggets, who are 7-3, and three, led by the new version, our generation's Vladdy Divac and Nikolai Jokic. Um, number nine is the Portland Trailblazers, who are two games behind. You got the Mavericks, who are three games behind. And you have the Wolves, who are four games behind. You know, out of all those teams, I think the T-Wolves are the most talented. Absolutely. Um I 100% agree. Look, but that Denver, being said, Denver's up there with me as well. And the reason why yeah. I say Denver is depth. They can put out so many different looks offensively. They have so many guys who can play multiple positions. Nikolai Jocic as a center is one of the most insane revelations I've seen this season. I barely knew who that guy was before the season yeah, started. Yeah, he's really, he's sure really blossomed. He's blossomed. 
but but also going out, we talk about the Portland Trailblazers. You know, Jochik emerged as a fantastic basketball player, but the, and so hence they traded Nurchik because you know you don't need a big body center playing ten minutes a game like that. So they flipped him for Plumlee, who's a better playmaker as a big man. Nurchik has been playing out of his mind for Portland. He's been putting up you know, borderline 15, 20-point games, double-doubles every single night. Do you think Portland is another team led by you know, Lillard and McCollum? The backcourt there. If they did make the playoffs, could you know cause some trouble for the San Antonio Spurs or the Golden State Warriors? I'm trying to think of a team that would be the toughest matchup for those two organizations. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs will not lose to any of those teams. Uh, right now, honestly... Honestly, the Golden State Warriors without Durant look vulnerable. They almost lost to Philadelphia. I think they're like three and three. It's in insane. It's insane how losing a couple guys off your bench, guys like Maurice Spates, Leona Barbosa, having a solid second unit impacts your yeah. overall performance as an organization because they have three of arguably the top 15 players in the NBA in Draymond Green, Jamon Green, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry. But beyond from that, they don't have the Harrison Barnes anymore. They don't have the Andrew Bogut's anymore. They're running out with what? Sasha Pachulia as their center? You know what I mean? But you know what, man? I, I'm not quite sure, Brandon, that those are three of the top 15 players in the NBA. I think that in the, in the Golden State system... They are, I because they don't create their own shots. They need they need a system of ball movement and spacing, uh, and and you know back cuts and screens and all kinds of stuff to generate open looks, and then they become quite. No, that's formidable. a fantastic point. You know, do you think Draymond Green would be the same player he is right now if he was playing for, let's say, the Phoenix Suns, for example? Uh, you know, it's hard to say, right? Uh, I think what's happened there is a quite unique thing right players fed off each other the culture's great the coaching is great uh you have the right you have a coach who is just really right for for those players and who's a who's who's created a system that lets them thrive now with because they had to sacrifice depth because they got rid of harrison barnes because they got rid of the andrew bogut's and and the barbosa's and the spades right the guys you mentioned they just you know for durant and i would do that too because durant is transcendent Okay, now Durant's a top, you know, two, three, four player in the more world. Efficient thirty point player in the NBA. No, he's like the best. Like Durant gets like tw- like he'll Durant's get like thirty deadly. points, and I'll mean think he'll throw like ten shots up. I I I, I really think that without Durant, Golden State, the Golden State might not even advance in the Western Conference Finals. Like the team that right uh, now, mind you, I, I I think he'll be back. Okay, but without Durant, that team's dead in the water. They're dead in the water because Steph Curry cannot create his own shot. And it, when, if they play the Rockets, they don't have enough firepower. And the Spurs will dismantle them. There, I, could, there could potentially be. There could potentially be a first round Golden State Warriors, Oklahoma City Thunder matchup. I would love to see that. Oh my God. If that happens, if that happens and Kevin Durant is not on the court, Russell Westbrook will abuse Steph Curry. Oh, absolutely. So, so going into this, though, so obviously there, there has never been a more closely con- – well, maybe in the past. I'm not quite sure, but this is one of the more closely contested MVP races I've seen in the last few years. you got guys like, you know, the obvious names, Russell Westbrook and James Harden, but you have other couple guys like LeBron James, you know, uh, Kawhi Leonard sort of rising in the ranks of being recognized as the best overall player in the NBA. You saw what Kawhi Leonard did last week, you know, the, the three-point shot game winner and the defensive block at the other side Great of the ball. Great sequence. Do you think Kawhi Leonard's 
focus on both sides of basketball will make him the number one MVP, or do you think the fact that Russell Westbrook could potentially average an, you know triple double <laughs> for are an you, entire season deserves the MVP? Are you asking should it or will it? I'm asking you personally, Greg. Who do you think should be the MVP of the season? Uh, well, I think there's you know those candidates that you mentioned are all. Uh, on the list, I oh, think, I think Isaiah. I, I think Isaiah Thomas is not on the list, mind you. And I'm tired of hearing that he is. Um, I, personally, I understand the argument for James Harden. I really do. Uh, great wins record. The guy. Because look, the MVP doesn't come down to the best player in the world. It really doesn't. Okay. It, it, if that was the case, you'd have Michael Jordan winning it ten times or eight times, ten times. Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, similar, uh, Colby similar, right? That's not really what it's about because often the best players in the world have have to take a long approach to the season because they know. They know it's not just about their individual stats. It's about the team's success. They know it's about the long-term view in the playoffs. So you'll see them take little, uh, defer to their teammates, not work to pad up their stats as much, okay? James Harden, though, it, is in a place where he's having, and same thing with, with Russell Westbrook, a statistically great season. Right. Okay? So, like you had with Carl Malone on Utah. Okay? So, my point is the MVP doesn't go to the best player in the league. Right? It goes to the player that is having the most standout season on an, on an elite team. That seems to be the way that these things get chosen. Okay? Because if you're going on just raw, uh, who's most valuable to a playoff team, it's got to be Russell Westbrook. Without Ru- Without Russell Westbrook, that, no, that Oklahoma City Thunder team is in the is in the lottery. I, I agree. You 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 brought up like I brought up earlier, Draymond Green. You know, would he be the same player on Phoenix? Is he a product of his environment? You know, to a certain degree, the same thing could be said about James Harden his performance this season. You know, playing in Dan Tony's offense, being you know given free reign essentially to do whatever he wants to facilitate the offense as a point guard, and having the guys around him, the guys who can shoot three points, guys like like Ryan Anderson and Gordon. And yeah, Williams, and you can pick up assists pretty easy. Just dropping a ball off, you know, every time up the court. Guys are chucking <laughs> up 40-foot jump no, shots, absolutely. man. I can pick up a few assists a quarter. You see, like, listen, though, on the other side of the fence, people have this misconception that Russell Westbrook doesn't have a single guy to play with. Victor Oladipo is a no, fantastic he's got player. Steven Adams, Adams maybe didn't turn the corner. I envision that he'd be at right now, especially with his finals performance last year. But Steve Adams is an incredibly competent center. And yeah. his canter or Gulen or whatever he refers himself to now is a fantastic bench option as well. And there's a few other guys in the organization who can ball for sure. I just think that Russell Westbrook has willed that team to the playoffs purely by his drive and focus and determination of wanting to still have a like being like the MVP and being the face of an organization. He was with James Harden, Abaka, Kevin Durant, kind of got swept on the rug for several years. He's finally getting the opportunity to be the face of an organization, and I personally feel like he has he's he's a reason why they're a competent team right now. They're the reason why they're not the bomb the barrel. Without Russell Westbrook, that team would be the worst team in the Western Conference. He has created. A show like the Kobe Bryant show of last year where it was a traveling circus whenever his team is in town. Right now, the Toronto Raptors are playing the Thunder, and I can't wait to go and catch the fourth quarter because I want to see this guy's stat lines. I want to see what he does. I want to see him grab a rebound, right? Athletically rip it out of a seven-footer's hands, sprint down the court, and posterize someone. Right. Okay? That being said... If the San Antonio Spurs are the first place seed in the West, 
Kawhi Leonard is the MVP. Because Kawhi Leonard plays on both ends of the ball. Why is defense good enough to win championships? Why is it defense wins championships, but defense can't win an MVP? That's a great point. Right? Like, you're you're absolutely right. Like, listen, I would vote Russell Westbrook in only for the fact that he might be potentially averaging a triple-double this year, and I just have to vote for If I had a vote, I would vote for Russell. But like <laughs> If I said, we were given a if vote. If I was given a vote. But, like, like, like you're right, though. Like, like I was mentioning before, that one play, what Kawhi Leonard did, game-winning three-point shot, hustling to the other end of the floor, and blocking the potential game-tying basket. That is proof in the pudding that Kawhi Leonard is a once-in-a-generation talent in the conversation of being a two-way, multi-dimensional basketball player. Russell Westbrook is an incredible offensive specimen, incredible, incredibly turnover-prone. Overall, no, but he's an overall Russell Westbrook is the player. MVP of this year, but I have to say Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James are the most well-rounded players in the NBA. And that's the thing, right? Because when guys are evaluating the MVP, they, they look over the stats, okay? And they're looking... And, Turnovers doesn't really factor in their in their analysis, right? James Harden is gonna break the NBA record for turnovers, okay? And again, I'm not saying that he's not an MVP candidate, but why are we valuing certain stats more than others? Again, and for me, a something or in some cases, things you can't measure, right? Uh, like a guy's defensive presence. Right, not always something that you can necessarily measure. We have steals, we have blocks, but sometimes it's just being a deterrent. Right? I think it's also his flapless personality as well. You know, Kawhi Leonard may yeah, not man. be the most vocal guy Who's in the. Who's a cucumber? He may not be the most vocal guy in the locker room, but he is the definition of a leader purely based on his actions on the court. When you want to look at someone and how you handle yourself in a pressure situation, Kawhi Leonard is the guy to look to. I wish every professional athlete had the disposition of Kawhi Leonard. I don't also don't think it's a product of playing in San Antonio and having this like no. self-deprecating San Antonio personality. Went to get him. They went to get him because he matched the culture. He was drafted by Indiana. He got traded for George Hill. I think <laughs> <our> team <laughs> yeah. drafted him. It was a while ago, but no, no. I, uh, I just I think if any young kid out there is trying to stencil their person, like if they have talent to make in the NBA and they're trying to look for you know, a prototypical player to look up to, it would be Kawhi Leonard for myself. If I have a kid who was. You know, in the NBA, or potentially thinking about going to the NBA or going to a nice college, I'd be like, measure your personality with Kawhi Leonard. Going into that, though, one thing I want to talk about is Lonzo Ball. So point guard for US, US, UCLA, can't speak today clearly. We're in the midst of March Madness, um, and Lonzo Ball is the point guard for UCLA, UCLA Bruins. I don't know why I can't say that today. UCLA five times fast. But... <laughs> But the question I want to ask you, are you familiar with Lonzo Ball's dad and why he's in the news? I'm familiar with him because the motherfucker's in the news so much. So how do you feel about that? How do you feel about a guy who's speaking on the behest of his son? A guy who's basically saying that his son right now is better than Steph Curry. You switch situations. Lonzo Ball would be a better player than Steph Curry. Also stating that his sons, all three of them, who are really, you know, the oldest one's Lonzo right now, two incredibly young prospects, the other two Ball brothers, I guess, this are, are pining for a $1 billion shoe sponsorship for all three of them. What do you think about a father putting these lofty expectations in a kid who's only 18 playing on the collegiate level? I think he's representative of a broader issue in the sport world when it comes to parents and their kids and parents living vicariously through their kids, specifically their sons. 
um, you know, uh, I coach a competitive uh, youth soccer team. And one of the things that I had to come in immediately and be upfront about is that the parents are not coaching the team. The parents don't have the power. Although, in a lot of ways they do because they're the ones that are paying the club, right? And right. they feel like as consumers, right, they feel like they've bought themselves power in that sense. But, you know, you see it all the time, right? Like the, the dad on the sidelines or in the bleachers that just won't shut up, right? Who's putting pressure on their kid who is no longer enjoying the game but playing out of fear, out of uh, playing for approval from a parent, right? Uh, so this isn't something that's just isolated to Alonzo Ball, who is an idiot for coming out and speaking the way he is, talking about my son could beat Steph Curry. Alonzo know. Ball's dad. Yeah, sorry. What's his name? Name's escaping right now. I will find it. It doesn't matter what his name is. Okay? <laughs> it doesn't matter what his name is. Jabroni. <laughs> he is a jabroni. He said he could... Uh, I heard through someone else that he LeVar said he could Ball. beat... Lavar, okay. I heard, I heard that Lavar claimed that he could beat Michael Jordan, one on one. This is what was brought to my attention, okay. When you got a hey, look, he's got him. But you know what? This is all a big media strategy, man. Because now look, he's got the most listened to podcast here in Toronto talking about him. He's got Sir Charles Barkley talking about him. It sucks for Lonzo, though, because he's but, painting these unrealistic expectations of him in his first year. 100% he is, right? But he's, he's so he's so thick-headed, obviously, and so self-serving. LeVar. LeVar. This is LeVar, yeah. His son's a great basketball player, eh? But you know what? Players better than him flop on a yearly basis in professional sports. Confidence and expectations and pressure, these are very fragile things. You're walking very fine lines. And the last thing you need... Right? With all the pressure that's already on this kid, probably, the last thing you need is your dad putting more expectations on you. No. I'm sorry. I I think he's a fool. No, 100%. And like, he does a disservice to the game. Listen, they're, they're, it's absolutely fine having a lot of faith and belief in your kids, but not to this degree and not to the point where you're literally pimping your kid out for your own profit. That's what I see in this situation. I see LeVar Ball using leveraging his kids for his own pursuits, for his own failed basketball career. I agree. I think it's absolutely disgusting to even paint these comparisons of a professional athlete with a collegiate-level basketball player. And like I mentioned well, what's before— What's the difference? But you're gonna walk. He's gonna walk into you the league. You mentioned a collegiate athlete. I mean, I agree with you. Yeah, but he's gonna walk into the league with a target painted on his back immediately off the cuff because of his dad's mouth. Okay, yeah, and that yeah. is that is insane. Like, listen, Forget I haven't league. really he has heard to compete in this tournament now. All eyes, right? The NCAA March Madness tournament. All eyes on that boy. And you're right. There's a lot of pressure on him now because of this. All right, folks, thank you very, very much for checking out our very, very, very first podcast. And we will be back next week. Um, I know it's a little strange because we're already in the midst of March Madness right now. But we'll be talking uh, about more about March Madness. We'll bring bring up some conversation about uh, Toronto basketball as well, as well as our regular update of Toronto Raptors ball. Greg, is there anything else you want to add? Mr. Ball, check yourself. Check yourself, Mr. Ball. And with that, we're out.